now, hey now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new week, a brand new edition of Over the Line. It is Monday, the 20th, 20th of September, 2021. So glad you guys are here hanging with us, and I, I did it again. Y'all know how I am about sleeping during the day, especially sleeping before a podcast. I did it. was exhausted. I slept for like 45 minutes, and I just don't, I don't feel right. I feel weird. I feel like I shouldn't be speaking to the general public whatsoever, but it's just, um, I don't know. It's... It's weird. I don't. I don't do naps. I just don't do it. I feel like uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm still in bed talking to you guys, which is incredibly inappropriate to be doing with uh, so many, uh, so many strangers. You know, you don't. You don't want to be laying in bed with strangers talking to them. But that's what I feel like right now. It's weird. Man, I got a lot to get to. I'm not going to be able to cram it all into an hour, but we are going to do our best. If you're watching this. Uh, episode for the first time in a long time. Just to update you, we've got kind of a new schedule. We are doing the show live each and every episode, but we're doing Monday, we're doing Wednesday, and we're doing Friday. And if there's any specialty shows in between, we'll let you guys know of that, what's going on on that front. Uh, but that's kind of our new thing. Instead of doing five 30-minute episodes, we're just doing three one-hour episodes and you're kind of getting the same amount of content, plus it gives uh, me time to breathe, it gives the news time to build up, and we can uh, we can do the whole thing. It just it, it, it makes life easier all the way around, so just trust me that uh, it's best for all of us. Plus, you don't need me five days a week. You really don't. It'll wear you out, I promise. Um, let's see. Housekeeping first. I want to remind you guys about Vapor Forge out on 280, my man Tony and the crew out there. I've explained kind of the deal with the FDA and the Vapor World and the battle that they're fighting right now. I really have no information on that front to explain where things are going or what are the next steps. All I know to tell you is support these guys if you can. They're out on 280. Uh, 4673 Highway 280 East, 205-874-9010 is their number. They've done so much, man. First of all, just on a personal front, they've done all this this renovation to the shop. New floors, new shelving. They brought in tons of new products. And now the FDA and really the Joe Biden FDA is telling them that uh, they can no longer um, buy and uh, distribute vapor products so that's kind of what the battle is right now but nonetheless they're open for business go see them do what you can they've saved countless lives by the way switching people from cigarettes traditional tobacco over to vaping which is 97 percent safer than cigarettes but nonetheless the fda wants you to go back to tobacco why because that makes them money not just from the tobacco but from you being sick from you having lung cancer the fda and the medical industry they make money if you're not getting cancer from vapes 
how's the 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 the, the mega me- medical industry how are they going to make money of cancer treatments they can't they want you sick and it's disgusting it's disgusting to know that your government would do that but guess what that's what they do that's right also patreon.com slash andrew mclean who y'all know the drill on that i don't have to explain it but if you want to contribute to the show you just go over to that site and it's kind of self-explanatory and you can hook that up we have linktree.com slash andrew mclean who and it is a a little site that gives you all of the links that you need in order to uh follow the show on all the different platforms and blah 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 so Go check that out. Where do I start? Where do I start today? Let me do this. Uh, this is something I, I didn't get to talk about last week, and it kind of snuck up on me because nobody was really talking about it at the time. But on Saturday, there was a protest in Washington, D.C., outside of the Capitol. And it was called... Uh, God, I don't even know what it was called. The... Justice for J6 rally. Now, I understand that may sound like uh, some sort of rally for a uh, a 70s band, like maybe the Jackson 5 or the Jackson 6, but no, it was about the January 6th protesters. It was a rally in support of those who are still incarcerated for their actions on January 6th. This seemed a little off from the get-go. Again, wasn't a whole lot of talk about it, but the media, and again, don't know how I missed it, but the media over the the couple of days leading up to it really hyped this thing up. Like it was the next January 6th, that the, the Capitol was facing an imminent threat of these crazy, unvaccinated QAnon Trump supporters. And it was it was going to be bad. It, everybody in the Capitol, all of our lawmakers, everyone in the House, everyone in the they were in danger. Now, granted, it was on a Saturday, and we know these elected officials aren't going to be working on a Saturday if they don't have to. Uh, but... It went off, it happened, and it it turned out to be a little awkward as there seemed to be more media members than there were actual rally goers. Uh, two, three hundred maybe that showed up. They were really outnumbered by the media. They were outnumbered by police. They had the National Guard there. They had choppers flying overhead. And... Uh, it didn't see it. I don't know who who did the PR on this stuff, but it, it didn't work out very well for those seeking justice for J6. Um, or it could have been call me crazy, but it could have been the fact that a lot of people are now figuring out that the FBI and our intelligence agencies are playing a major role in setting these things up in order to cause trouble. That's right. Now we know, well, I don't, I don't know if you know, but 
Most of us know that when it came to the original January 6th, that the lead instigators in that situation were FBI informants. That the FBI had a big role in making sure that January 6th happened the way it did. And this is it's, it's nothing crazy. We, we know that the FBI is involved. You remember when Gretchen Whitmer, you remember the, the, um, the, 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 the plan that these Trump supporters or anti-lockdown, anti-vaxxers had that they were going to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and, I don't know, take her to a secluded island and torture her or whatever, whatever the plan was. You remember that? Remember how big of a deal that was? They had to hide her and get her out of... Get her out of the, the governor's mansion, and she had to have all this protection. It turns out there was no real plan to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. It was a plan that was formed by the FBI in order to make it look as if regular citizens that didn't like Gretchen Whitmer were going to storm the Capitol with their AR-15 assault weapons. And literally kidnapped the governor. And it was never true. And we find out, January 6th, FBI informants leading the way to make that happen. So why would anybody not think that the FBI would be involved in this? Well, pictures started to surface of uh, some of the participants at this January 6th uh, Justice for J6 rally. And uh, here's one that I think probably describes really how this thing got started. Now look at this photo. You see this? Do these look like your typical anti-vaxxer, Gadsden flag, don't tread on me, QAnon, Trump supporters? Is that what y'all see here? Or do y'all see some FBI bros that happen to have bulges in their pockets in the shape of <laughs> pistols? Is that your government-assigned pistol, or are you just happy to be at this rally? FBI. I, I noticed somebody, somebody on Twitter was calling them FBI boys, B-O-I-S. FBI boys. Oh, it says it actually in this tweet. You look at the top right corner. From the rally, can these... <laughs> Can these FBI boys be more obvious? <laughs> it's almost it's almost insulting. But my question is why why is the FBI being utilized against the American people? Why is the FBI instead of going after crime after or right before it's committed, why is the FBI in the business of trying to create crime? And then arrest people for the crime that they created. Why is that? I mean, it, it sounds awfully familiar. Seems like it happened one time a few years ago. I don't know. What was that thing called? Oh, yeah. Spygate. Spy, the, the Spygate. The, 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 the Russian collusion that allowed us to get FISA warrants on Carter Page and George Papadopoulos and spy on the Trump campaign. You remember that? I actually keep this. I actually keep this in the studio now. 
I, and I'm going to keep it in here until I get it framed. But y'all remember this? Look at this. Spygate was no easy feat. Now, you got to give the FBI credit because this is one of the most elaborate, elaborate screw jobs, not just in the history of politics, but possibly in the history of the world. All right. Let me get this. Let me. I want to knock my props down over here. I got this fancy setup. All right. Look at this. This is one half of my explanation of Spygate that was put on by the intelligence agencies and the FBI. Look at that. Piece by piece, from the Democrat Party to the FBI to the intelligence agencies, John Brennan, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, James Clapper, all of them right there. Look, here's the other half. We can't forget about people like Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, the two FBI lovebirds that were cheating on their spouse. There's a second half of it. An elaborate plan done in coordination with the media, with the federal government, with the courts. Well, you can't really blame the courts because the courts were lied to by people like Jim James Comey. Give me a minute. Let me fold this back up. Now I've made a mess. This is why I don't take naps before the show. But this is the FBI. This is them. This is what they do. I remember a time when we used to talk about, you know, it's just, and this was while Trump was president. Well, we, we, don't, we don't hate the FBI. It's not like we're anti-cop. We don't hate those that are the rank and file FBI. We don't hate, we just hate those at the top, like the Jim Comeys and the James Clappers and everybody else. Why has it got to be why has it got to be regulated to the top? Because at some point, Americans are being targeted so often, and it's not being stopped. Nothing's being done about it. Whistleblowers are not coming out. It's obviously further down the totem pole than just the people at the top. The FBI boys, the Fed boys right here, these aren't upper echelon FBI officials. These are Fed boys that, <laughs> that are likely working out in the field undercover. What was funny is there was an arrest made at this J6 rally. And uh, it, was, it was made under the report that this person at the rally had a firearm, Right. There was somebody at the rally that was suspected to have a firearm. So the police approached this guy, told him, hands where we can see him. We got reports that you got a gun. They go and they pat him down. He tells them to reach in his, <laughs> reach in his pocket. They reach in his pocket. And what do they do? They pull out his, his badge because he's an undercover agent. He was an undercover cop. That's why he had a gun. That's the pe that's who was going to the to to this rally. It was all a setup. It was it was so 
such a detailed setup that they didn't even know who was who. <laughs> like, they didn't even realize what their own guys were there. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It, and this is not about even coercing extremists to come to the Capitol so they can then arrest them, even though they're the ones perpetrating this stuff. It's about the optics. It's about having having the desire for another January 6th. It's what they want. Look how beneficial the first January 6th was to them. They were able to kick a sitting president off of 20, 30 different social media platforms. A sitting president. And they got away with it. They were able to end the election debate once and for all because of January 6th. Nobody benefited more from what happened on that day than Democrats and anti-Trump people. They got everything they could have ever wanted. All their hard work, all their tears, all their triggers, all their meltdowns that they went through over the past four years were finally justified because they were able, finally able to paint those people that they despise so much as the terrorists that they are. And they're starting to lose grip on that. Look at all the chaos happening all around the world. Border crisis. We're bombing civilians in Afghanistan. We're losing soldiers on the battlefield for no reason at all. Another January 6th would have really come in handy on Saturday. Because if it would have gone the way they wanted it to go, there would be no talk of Afghanistan. There'd be no talk of the southern border. There'd be no talk of Gabby Potato. Petito, excuse me. That was not disrespectful. I, I legitimately mispronounced it. We'd only be talking about what happened in Washington, D.C. It's just like them putting that fence up around the, around the Capitol again. And around the White House. They, they don't do that because they actually fear somebody's going to harm them. They get more protection than anybody on the planet. They do it for optics. They're doing it for show. Because think about it. Think about how effective that is. If you looked at photos in the days leading up and on the day of inauguration, and you saw the fences up at the White House and around the Capitol, that was an eerie feeling. It was an illustration of we are the government and we're running this show. You thought this was the people's house. No, no, no. This is our house, and we're going to put up walls to make sure you stay out. That was the message. Remember Joe Biden's State of the Union. We the people means we the government. In my best Joe Biden whisper. 
It's bad. So that's what happened, which absolutely nothing happened. It was a setup, and thank God it didn't go the way that they wanted it to because a majority of Americans would be distracted once again. But back to the Afghanistan part of this. As we know now, the bombing, the drone bombing that was done in retaliation to our 13 men and women who were killed in our exit from Afghanistan at the Kabul airport, we found out over the past few days uh, that that airstrike wasn't what we were told it was. We were told that it killed an ISIS-K member. By the way, we've still yet to get an explanation on what ISIS-K is, but we're just pretending they know what they're talking about. We were told that ISIS-K was involved in that strike. We killed them, and that was our retribution for what they did to our men and women in uniform. The news comes out that not only did we not hit an ISIS-K member, we killed 10 civilians, seven of which were children. That's right. We didn't just miss hitting terrorists. We killed 10 civilians and several children. And so now Devin Nunes, God bless him, is asking for subpoenas to be sent out on the drone strike that killed Afghan children. House Intelligence Committee ranking member Devin Nunes said subpoenas are needed to get to the bottom of how United States military conducted a drone strike in Kabul on August 29th that killed as many as 10 civilians, including seven children. He said, we're going to need subpoenas to get to the bottom of this, blah, 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 blah. This clearly was the administration wanting to pretend to be tough it's going to take a major investigation by Congress and senators that are on the Armed Services Committee and the Intelligence Committee to get to the bottom of this. He also acknowledged since Republicans do not control the House, subpoenas will be a challenge. However, Republicans will have a chance to regain control in the 2022 midterm elections. Now, that is the problem. You can't get you can't subpoena anybody, you can't investigate this because God knows you could kill a million civilians. Uh, if Joe Biden directed the slaughter of millions of civilians in Afghanistan or in the U.S., Democrats are not going to investigate it whatsoever. But I just want to go back. And, and when this strike, this drone strike initially happened, the explanation we got, because it happened quickly. If you remember... Our uh, our soldiers were killed, and then it was a day, what, two days later, and Mark Milley's out at the podium talking about, well, we, we found the ISIS-K members, we surveilled them for a number of hours, and then we struck them and, and uh, took them out. Took them out. We can guarantee you that we took out the terrorist they are no longer walking this earth, and look at us. We're so tough avenging the deths of our troops. It's the outcome of an investigation. 
Um, but at this point, we think that the procedures were correctly followed and it was a righteous strike. And um, all of the engagement criteria were being met. We went through the same level of rigor that we've done for years. Uh, and we took a strike. Uh, so that we did. Secondly, um, is we know that there were secondary explosions. Uh, because there were secondary explosions, there's a reasonable uh, conclusion to be made that there was explosives in that vehicle. The third thing is we know from a variety of other means that at least one of those people that were killed was a ISIS facilitator. Uh, so were there others killed? Yes. There are others killed. Who they are, we don't know. Uh, we'll try to sort through all that. Uh, but we believe that the procedures at this point, I don't want to influence the outcome of an investigation, um, but at this point we think that the procedures were correctly followed and it was a righteous strike. It was a righteous strike. A righteous strike. That's, that's an interesting way to frame killing civilians. But nonetheless, that's what they said day after day after day. And then finally, we started getting some reports. I think the AP was the first to report it. And they're like, yo, uh, uh, hey, uh, Americans, I, 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 th I think y'all killed, uh, I think y'all killed 10 civilians over here. Yeah. So the next plausible thing to do would be to do what? Well, you want to ask the Biden administration. What were you thinking? What happened? How, how did you pull this off? How did how did you think you were killing terrorists and you actually killed seven children? That seems to be a pretty big mistake. Here's that explanation from the press briefing room in Jinsaki. Thank you, Jen. Back to the drone strike. You said last month, power over the horizon capacity can work and has worked in going after ISIS targets and killing people who went after our troops. But you guys didn't kill people who went after our troops. You killed 10 civilians, including seven children. So does the president still think these over-the-horizon strikes can work? Absolutely. And I will just reiterate, uh, as our Secretary of Defense conveyed, as, as General McKenzie conveyed, uh, that there was a serious mistake. The Secretary of Defense is authorized, as I noted before, a thorough review of the investigation just completed by U.S. Central Command, including the degree to which the investigation considered all available context and information, the degree to which accountability measures need to be taken, at which level, and the degree to which strike authorities, procedures, and processes need to be altered in the future. That's an important process. I would note, which I noted earlier, that there's a difference between a self-defense strike, which is exactly what this was, and I would note there was one prior to this that was a successful self-defense strike, and uh, and those that wait, 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 wait. This was a self-defense strike. Self-defense. We were told when it happened that this was payback, a message of strength, a message to the terrorist. Hey. Don't you kill our people because we will obliterate you. But now we were only doing it because of future attacks. So we don't seek revenge when our men and women are killed. That is posing an imminent threat to U.S. forces who were, as we all know, on the ground at that time, facing real th threats in real time and an over the horizon uh, strike where we typically expect to have more time to assess both the threat and the potential target. Uh, that is a different approach, and it requires a different approach, and is a different approach internally, and General McKenzie spoke to that last week as well. Some of the victims' relatives are saying uh, that they want to be relocated here. Is that something that the administration is going to help them do? 
I, I'm certainly I'm not aware of that request I'm, or that uh, that ask. I'm happy to certainly speak to our uh, our national security team and see what that process will and look like. So basically, a non-answer you got from Jin Saki there. No explanation. Talking about accountability. You know what accountability would be? Firing every single person that was involved in that strike. Why? Because they claim they surveilled this truck for hours. For hours. Eight, up to eight hours they surveilled this this uh, this person. Right. Turns out to be a humanitarian worker. Turns out the bombs were actually... Uh, were actually packs of water taking it to those who needed it, and we bombed. So what are the repercussions for that? Obviously, for the people involved in that, they'll suffer no repercussions. But what will we as America suffer as repercussions? Well, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, ISIS-K, they'll be able to recruit new terrorists. Because if your family, if you're living in Afghanistan and America goes over and bombs seven of your children, you probably want to go and get out there and fight against the people who did that, whether it's America or anybody else. You got to imagine that there's some dads out there that's like, you know what? I'm going to take up arms and I'm going to join the fight. These people have murdered my children senselessly. That's what that kind of stuff does. That, that's the repercussions to that. But the Biden administration not only doesn't care, they don't even feel like they got to give you any sort of explanation. None whatsoever. It's just like the border. They give you no explanation, no plan, no nothing for the border while we have a literal invasion happening. The policies of the Trump administration that were rolled back have caused a migrant crisis like we've never seen. And it started day one. This has been going on the entire time. President Kamala Harris, excuse me, President Joe Biden, has been in office. Have you seen the images? Take a look at this. This is, this is absolutely amazing that this is being allowed at our southern border. All right, guys, what you're looking at right now is that is the U.S. side of the Rio Grande. That is a mass of several hundred. Do you hear what he said? That's the U.S. side. That, that's not people in Mexico waiting to get in. That's on our side. Illegal immigrants who have just crossed the Rio Grande. And look at this. Several hundred more streaming across as we speak. We're on a boat in the Rio Grande. This is the Mexican side of the river right now. You can see it's a never-ending stream. Hundreds of people crossing the Rio Grande basically every hour. And they're heading over to the International Bridge, which you can see in the background. Look at that mass of people. This is why the situation under the bridge continues to deteriorate. This is insane. The federal government has to wake up. They're doing absolutely nothing at all. Look at this Fox News report from who is this that did this? Uh, Bill, uh, okay, I, I don't know his name. I watched him several times over the weekend, and he seemed to be doing some pretty, uh, Bill Melligan. 
I probably just slaughtered his name, and I don't even care. Check this guy out. When Secretary Mayorkas said once again that the border is closed, I can tell you that is a tough pill for border agents to swallow. They talk to us off the record and they roll their eyes when they hear that. This is the U.S. border right now. Take a look at it. You had upwards of 15,000 people here as of Saturday morning. It is now just under 12,000. But these are all migrants who crossed illegally into the United States. They just walked across the river, no resistance whatsoever, and put up shop right here. And you can see a lot of them are using plants and sticks, using whatever they can find to build some sort of a shelter here. Take a look at our second camera just to show you the scope of how big this camp is. Again, between 10 and 12,000 people in the camp right now, most of them from Haiti and West Africa, most of them crossing the Rio Grande in the past few days and just setting up shop here, hoping that they're going to get a chance to stay. We got a third perspective to show you from up on our live Fox drone. Again, just showing you the sheer size of how large this camp is as this border uh, crisis just continues to get worse. There are so many people in here and so few border agents to process them. It's unclear how long this camp is going to take to get cleared out, but we'll show you why there are so many people here. Take a look at this remarkable video we shot on Saturday, exclusive to Fox News. We went out on a boat on the Rio Grande, and we witnessed just a constant line of hundreds from of From Haiti and West Africa, this surge is from. Waves from Haiti and West Africa. This this will never end. This will never end. If we're allowing every single country to do this, what makes you think it's ever going to end? It's not. It's not. They're just going to keep coming and keep coming. And the longer you don't completely close the border, the more these people are going to be told the border's wide open. America is accepting anybody and everybody. You do not have to have a reason. That is the message being spread across the world right now. Why? Because there's money to be made. And as long as people are allowed to stream into this country, flown from Afghanistan, streamed into the north from Haiti and West Africa, they're going to keep telling people. But until people start going back home, and allegedly they're flying these people back home now, believe it when we see it, until they start going back home to their families that stayed and said, hey, they're actually not letting us in, until that happens, it's not going to stop. And even if you pull that off, it's going to be a while before that is even accomplished. Speaking of Haitian immigrants and West African immigrants, some pretty disturbing images coming from the border where border agents are having to ride around on horses with ropes and lassoing these immigrants that are trying to illegally enter the country. The Biden administration has Border Patrol agents out at the border, like the wild, wild west, on a horse with a lasso, wrangling up immigrants. Now imagine, just just take a moment and imagine Donald Trump being president right now and images of border agents chasing these black people on horses 
with ropes. What would happen? What would happen? Impeachment would be the least of those. And it would never go away. That story would never go away. But for the Joe Biden administration, they get a nice little fluff piece in the Washington Post that's titled White House House Homeland Security Chair. They denounce the horrific mistreatment of Haitian migrants by Border Patrol officers. Morale is a rock bottom for these Border Patrol agents. Rock bottom. And now they've got their own president and their own Homeland Security chairman denouncing them and their actions. How do you think that's going to turn out? We're watching members of the military quit in droves or be discharged in droves because of the vaccine. How long before we see large numbers of Border Patrol agents quitting as well? Because they're disgusted. They just want to do their job and they're not being allowed to. They've been turned into babysitters. They've been turned into humanitarian aid workers. They're not. They're really officers of the law. They are there to enforce the law, not run the world's largest freaking homeless shelter. But that's what's happening. All the while, we, with our tax dollars, are shipping these migrants to all 50 states. A little bit here. A little bit over here, a little bit over here, a little bit over here, until they're spread out throughout the entire country. They've sent them to Alabama. They've sent them to California. They're sending them to Missouri, Montana, Florida. They're going everywhere. And don't be surprised if we actually get the numbers and we find out that a majority of these people have been going to red states because this is a political move. It is a political move to change the demographic of this country in order to change the outcomes of elections. That's what open borders have always been about. Allow people in, take credit for it, find a way to get them the ability to vote, and then they'll be like, well, I want to vote for the people that actually let us into this country. And then what happens? You've allowed the entire world in. You've taken credit for it. And then you're wanting to cash in your favor on election day. There will be a move. A desperate move to make sure these people can vote. That it's a human right. And no, you can't require IDs of them. Think about the ability to have large-scale national mail-in voting. Now you've got all these new names in the country that you can attach to these mail-in votes. What do you think will happen? You know what will happen. I can't say it. I'll be kicked off Facebook again. But you know what will happen. That's the purpose of all of this. That is exactly why they want to. And what's Kamala Harris doing? 
Remember, she was appointed the the border czar, the, the, the person in charge of the border. Joe Biden, one day, she's like, hey, I've put Kamala Harris in charge of the border. And then a few days later, Kamala Harris like, I don't know if I'm really doing that, but nobody ever changed the title. So we assume Kamala Harris is still overseeing the border. But here's what she was doing over the weekend while our border was being invaded. That's right. She was at a poorly attended football game between Howard University and Hampton University doing the coin toss. Now, it is funny to me, even though it's Howard and Hampton, it's funny to me that she's on the field doing the coin toss, which is the very beginning of the game. And at any other game, the coin toss would have tons of people in the stands. It'd be packed out. Especially if a vice president's doing the coin toss. And as you can see in this picture, hardly anyone is there. Even the football player here on the field looks like, man, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Our country is in crisis mode. And Kamala Harris is doing a coin flip at a college football game. I want to see Kamala Harris do a coin flip at an SEC football game. That's what I want to see. Because you know what they're doing at SEC football games? Every single one of them? Week after week after week? They're chanting, F Joe Biden. I can't say that. Maybe we, maybe we need to bleep it out. They're saying, F Joe Biden. So that's what I want to see. You want to you want to provide entertainment. You want people to watch a coin flip from the vice president. Get her in an SEC stadium. <laughs> that's what that's what we want. But they're the elites. They don't hang out with you peasants. And they certainly don't follow your COVID rules. That was made clear at the Emmys. Uh, last night was the last night of the Emmys or the night before where there were no mask not really anyway no real social distancing no um what else oh it was supposed to be an outdoor event it was outdoors well the tent that they were inside was outdoors so it's basically the same as being indoors and I actually heard, uh, who, who was it, Seth Rogen gave a speech and hammered these guys for it. Good for him for having some sort of self-awareness because nobody else, nobody else had a clue what was going on. Let me see if I can find that video. I haven't even watched it, so I don't even know if it's, uh, it's worth watching, but we're going to find out together. How does that sound? That's why we do the show live. We like to find out together. Man, he looks, he looks rough, honestly. Is that really Seth Rogen? Look at this guy. Was it a joke or was he serious? There is way too many of us in this little room. Actor Seth Rogen questioned the wisdom of having so many unmasked people at the Emmys in an enclosed tent. He said this was outdoors. It's not. The show was very different from last year. I'm up here all alone. 
when Jimmy Kimmel hosted from an empty arena. This year, just the nominees were invited, plus one guest. COVID precautions were embraced. Tables were set at least six feet apart. Everyone had to show proof of vaccination and a negative COVID test to get in. Host Cedric the Entertainer quickly shut down Seth Rogen's crack. Unlike what Seth was talking about, it feels good. We all vaxxed. We had to get vaxxed to come here, you know what I mean? This wasn't actually in a building, in an auditorium. The ceremony was in a tent that was put up in downtown L.A. The Emmy's tent is still standing today. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, in, in downtown L.A., you got to wear a mask no matter where you're at or what your vaccination status is. It's so funny watching these guys squirm and try to find a way. <laughs> and honestly... They said, they said that you got to show proof of vaccination, but who knows? It's all good because they were in a tent and the tent was outside. And also, um, the, the tables were six feet apart. Now, granted, the eight people at each table weren't six feet apart, but the tables themselves were. I think, I think Seth Rogen was being dead serious. And, and again, good for him for having some self-awareness. I still think he's a jerk, but at least he's... Um, at least he noticed. Nobody else would have even noticed. Wouldn't have had a clue. Uh, but that took uh, that took center stage, and I think what really was missed out on was the fact that the Emmys turned out to be completely racist as all 12 lead and supporting Emmy awards went to white people. That's right. None of the major Emmy Awards went to anybody that was not white. A 12 out of 12 for the top 12 Emmy Awards. Won by Hollywood's most elite left-wing white people. Some things never change, huh? Some lunatic at the far-left Hollywood Reporter put it this way. Quote, Although performers from the global majority comprised 44% of acting nominees, they were shut out at the 73rd Primetime Emmys. <laughs> you can't make it up. You can't make it up. Speaking of needing to be vaxxed in order to get into an event, an event that is not required to go to the big... UN General Assembly, where all the world leaders, including ours, will be meeting and speaking and discussing and doing whatever they do at the UN General Assembly. Even though it's in New York, even though New York requires a vaccine passport and mask and social distancing and all this stuff, there will be no vaccine requirements for the UN General Assembly. <laughs> Presidents, premiers, monarchs, dignitaries, diplomats, and their traveling staff members have been told by organizers they won't have to show coronavirus vaccination passports or other proof of inoculation on arrival at the UN headquarters on Turtle Bay, Manhattan. Imagine that. Rules for thee, not for me. They don't have to follow your stupid rules. These rules are only for you. You would think that they would at least try to pretend, but they don't even pretend anymore. 
They just rub it in your face that they don't have to follow your stupid COVID rules. They don't have to. They're not going to. They're never going to. They know that you know. They know that you know they're not following the rules, but they don't care. They don't care. Because these rules are for you. They're for you, you, you. It's uh, it's a funny thing. I found earlier a clip of Dr. Anthony Fauci. I got to be careful with my air quotes. I got pinged on, on TikTok for doing that. Um, an old clip, I think it was from maybe 2002. Uh, he was on one of these C-SPAN talk sh- call-in talk shows or whatever. And a caller asked Fauci about, uh, about controlling the behavior of people during an outbreak. And I think... This may have not been the, the 2000s. This may have been like the 80s or something. Nonetheless, they asked him about the syphilis outbreak or AIDS outbreak. It was something, something of the sort. And how they weren't... His uh, The caller's concern was we can't control people's behavior. So how do we stop these things if we can't control the behavior of Americans or people around the world? And Dr. Fauci gave a very interesting explanation to that. And as soon as I find it, I'm going to play it for you. I had it pulled up, and of course, it disappeared, but it is right here. Uno momento. Man. Here we go. Found it. And this is um, this is the caller. And it seemed to me that the disease itself became highly political. It was not treated as other sexually transmitted diseases such as syphilis, for example, in which people had to take blood tests before marriage so that the syphilis disease would not be spread. I I would like to know uh, how we can control the behavior of people in foreign countries when we can't control the behavior in our own country. Yeah, I think he used an important word that that uh, uh, really illustrates the difficulty of the problem. You can't control people's behavior, but what you can do is you can educate and you can try to modify behavior. Our experience tells us very clearly that the only way that you can do that effectively is to create an environment in which you don't force people who are the subjects or the targets of your education and behavioral modification if you force them underground. If you make your education in an environment of oppressiveness, you're not going to get to the people that you need to get to. You've got to create a situation where people understand that they're not going to be stigmatized, that they're not going to lose their human rights when they find out that they're infected that you're going to do something to help them. You see more and more people coming in, getting the education, and ultimately modifying their behavior. We have already seen that in spades in this country, and that's the environment that we are suggesting to our colleagues overseas to do. Because in some of the developing nations that you're referring to, it is an oppressive situation for rights. One of the examples, the late Jonathan Mann, who was an associate of mine for years, who tragically died in an air crash a few years ago, 
used to say that HIV AIDS is as much a disease of human rights than it is a disease of a virus. And in countries in which human rights are not uh, addressed in an appropriate way, people do not have the capability of avoiding infection. Some women, for example, in certain nations have absolutely no empowerment to avoid being infected by their husband or sexual partner because women don't seem to have the rights to say, no, I do not want to have sex. Yes, I, I want to wear a condom. I want to practice safe sex. And in some societies, they're not allowed that right. Uh, that, those are the things we need to look at, not oppressing or forcing people to do things because it never works that way. Mm. There are Strange how uh, uh, things change, right? Strange. Things change. <laughs> So quickly. I made a TikTok over the weekend, and I simply said, um, if you ever want to know what the government or those in power want to do to you or your country, all you got to do is go back and look at what they've said in the past, because they will always tell you. They will always tell you what they want to do, what they're going to do. Especially when you deal with people like creepy Uncle Joe himself, who said once at a Senate hearing what needed to be done if there was some sort of infectious outbreak. That if we don't get one disease under control, you may find legislative bodies taking whole classes of people based upon propensity of conduct. Well, to say, we're going to put you in a certain category. We're going to demand mandatory testing for you. That was back with uh, pro-segregation, Joe. Remember that? He wasn't just pro-segregation on the front of color of your skin. He was pro-medical segregation back then. Again, this, this, this shouldn't be shocking to anyone. This is the same song and dance. History repeats itself. History always repeats itself. And it will continue to do so. So why it's so important to not allow these people to erase history. Because they want the ability to repeat it. They want to do it again. You don't think Joe Biden would love to segregate people? Not by necessarily color, but just put them in groups? That's what the Democrats' MO has been all along. They put people in groups. They put them in boxes. They pit them against each other. That's what they do. All I can do is tell y'all. All I can do is tell y'all and encourage you to tell those you love and you care about. Don't go on Facebook and argue with some D-bag that's not going to change their mind because they've got too much pride and they don't want to uh, be proven wrong in the public square. It's pointless. That's why when these, these trolls get on my post and they start commenting all this stuff, I don't even respond because it's pointless. I could get on there and rip them to shreds and make them look like an idiot but they're not gonna they're not gonna admit it when they're wrong. They're not. If you go, if y'all watch any of my my live TikTok videos that I do on a regular basis, by the way, at Andrew McLean Who on TikTok, 
90% of the people in there will be dogging me, trolling me, if you will. 90% of the people in the chat. We're talking about a few hundred people. But you don't really respond to them. Because you're not going to change anybody's mind. Talk to those who are willing to listen to you. Talk to those that you love. Talk to those family members. And I understand some of y'all got family members that won't listen to you. You don't have to do it with them. But those that have a head on their shoulders that are willing to critically think for five minutes, talk to them. Tell them what these people have said in the past. It'll raise eyebrows. Trust me. You have the ability. You, the over-the-line viewer, have the ability to change minds of logical people because you have the power of knowledge. You know things that they don't know. And it's not their fault they don't know it. It's just the news that they consume does not tell them and actively hides it from them. You have the ability to show them things they've never seen. And when you do that, you're going to start opening eyes, especially at a time like now, where even those that voted for Joe Biden feel disenfranchised. There was a new poll out today. 49% of Americans, only 49% of Americans feel Joe Biden is mentally capable of being president of the United States at this moment. 49%. Eight months ago, he was the most popular presidential candidate in history. And now over half the country thinks the guy's off his rocker. And thinks he cannot mentally handle the job. You've got a rare opportunity to wake up a lot of people. Before I get out of here, I want to talk about Brian Landry and the the Gabby Petito case, as you know, yesterday there was a body found that was consistent with the description of Gabby Petito in Wyoming, where they were at one point. There was some footage, some um, uh, some some cell phone footage that somebody had taken who was also doing this kind of travel blog thing. And as they heard this story coming out, they're like, hey, I saw that van at one point. It was parked on the side of the road out in the woods. Handed it over to authorities. It led them right to this van. The problem is now, though, they can't find Brian Landry. He's MIA. He's gone. He's disappeared. Now, Andrew, why didn't they hem him up when they had him the first time, when they were questioning him? They could not do it. They didn't have the evidence to detain him, to arrest him. He was just a person of interest. Now that he's up and disappeared, they've got reason enough to detain this guy and make sure he doesn't take off again. So nobody knows where he's at. He's completely gone. Family doesn't know where he's at. Police and investigators are at the parents' home of Brian Landry. They're taking out evidence. They're searching cars. They're taking pictures. Don't know exactly what they're finding, but they're hot and heavy on this dude's case. 
There are many theories out there, and I think probably several of you guys have theories about what's going on. Trish and I, we're going to do a separate show on this very thing, and who knows, we may still do it. I don't know. It just depends on how this whole thing plays out. Um, but it's interesting that there were two more missing people, a, 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 uh, two women that were a couple. They were found dead in the same general vicinity around the same general time. And so theories are floating out there that maybe there's a tie with that somehow. So I'm not going to go into too much detail because we don't have enough time. But as I did a quick Google search to see if anything has been updated on Brian Landry in the search for Brian Landry, I found some interesting things. Here is Business Insider with a story. Let me adjust the screen here for y'all. With a story saying Brian Landry could have fled the country, according to private investigators. Defense attorney says Brian Landry was right to stay quiet. Uh, what else? How about this? Lots of tips, but nothing confirmed in the Mobile Brian Landry sightings. So apparently, there were Brian Landry sightings in Mobile, Alabama. They're searching for this guy. What in the world? All these freaking ads. They're searching for this guy. And they're taking whatever tips they can get their hands on. Law enforcement officials have chased more than a dozen tips about possible sightings of Brian Landry in the Mobile area. But authorities told Fox 10 news that none have panned out. Landry is a person of interest in the death of Gabby Petito, whose disappearance has garnered national attention, so on and so forth. Other stories saying kind of the same thing. Let's see if we can back up here. Whoop, too far. One more time. Cops probe possible Brian Landry sightings, kind of the same thing. Alabama police investigate possible sightings of Gabby Petito's boyfriend. Um, it'll be interesting. Dave, Big Dave in the chat said he heard that Gabby's boyfriend was found hanging in a tree. I do not see anything on that, but I'm afraid of that outcome. I'm afraid that they're going to find this guy dead. Because we just want to know the story at this point. And that story's also going to bring closure to Gabby's family. So it's very important that they get this guy alive and find out exactly what happened. This behavior is of a person that caused the death of Gabby. Now, whether that's true or not is yet to be seen. Could have been an accident. He didn't know how to handle it. And he just took off and left her. But these are bizarre actions taken by Brian Landry. And we want to know what exactly happened. Because it's a tragic story all the way around. We'll be following it and give you updates as we go throughout this week. Make sure you tune in Wednesday for the next episode, live episode of Over the Line, you can obviously go back and watch us on Rumble, on YouTube, on Twitch. The Twitch streams stay up for 14 days after we broadcast them, so you can hear them there. You can also go Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Google Podcast and hear the audio version of the show all over the place. We make sure to hook y'all up. Uh, what else do I got? Is that all I got for y'all? Uh, I think that's it. So, we'll do it again on Wednesday. And until then, see you, Coles.